It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Mike and Viana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Viana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP BNB for episode five of Survivor Winners at War. We have swapped things up, but the more things change, the more they stay the same. So the BNB is here to break it all down. Let's welcome in our panel for this week. First, as always, she is not going anywhere to any desolate beaches. The co-owner of the BNB, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? Good, just kicking it in quarantine. You know what's up? Yeah. Oh, does that mean like you're you're going to encounter your cats later on another tribe, and they're going to? maybe uh talk about your relationship in a different way than you do in terms of the casualty of it all um i think we're gonna start using analogies with the hyenas and the lions i think they're the lions am i the hyena i think then i end up on top so i'm okay with that but yeah they're not well, happy about me being home they're the closest from like a species comparison to the lion so it feels like it carries but let's look at in our guest because we're so happy to have her back here she's not a lion she's not a hyena she's the whole damn savannah ali lasher welcome back to the bnb yeah, I'm dry and empty, I guess. Um, oh, I, like, like, just like the, the whole Savannah, she's a desert. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be back, not only because this is the most human contact I've had in days, but because I love being on the BNB and I get the text from Mike that's like, can you come check in? I get so excited and I get pissed when I don't. This is the only podcast I think I get upset when I don't get to do. Because uh, I don't feel entitled to do anything, but I just really, really love coming on here. So I am thrilled to be talking to you guys yeah we won't be canceling your reservation okay like don't worry we're <laughs> yeah, all no, re- no refunds you are <laughs> no. the number one uh bnb social distance experience oh yes mike we were ahead of our time who would have my thought? god wow look at us go <laughs> we're real trendsetters here just yeah. making sure that it makes you feel like you're in the same room as a person when really you're just talking into a microphone staring at a piece of, of drywall like i am right now personally i don't know about the rest of you but let's talk let's talk about a season that's far from drywall let's talk about winners at war uh so ali it was not too long ago felt like ages ago but back over the summer you me liana and akiva winnaker oh yeah it's a reunion <laughs> yeah we, we we broke down you know the cast of the moment we didn't know anything about the fire tokens or the edge of extinction but I guess based on your own initial approach to these people and this season compared to now, what have your thoughts been through? You know, we found out we're a third of the way through this season. What's what's been your thoughts on this first third? Yeah, thank God we trimmed the fat, though, and kept it to just the core yeah, three agreed. Uh, for, for this podcast. <laughs> um, first of all, as as is my way, I'm not going to answer your question right away. I just want to say to you guys, Mike and Liana, 
And, and this is not new. You've been doing this for seasons. But what you do on this podcast is incredible. Like you're the most creative, hardworking people on RHAP. No offense to Ra, He's very creative. But like the stuff you've been coming up with for these games. Also, I want to say it's the least surprising thing when I found out uh, that you both love Greek mythology. That was like, <laughs> yep, checks out. OK, the most on. Uh, I should also say, hold your creativity really- comment until we get through this week's games. Maybe you want to change your <laughs> review after that. I don't know. No, I I'll love it even more. Like, it's so wild that you come up with this stuff and it's so much fun and i really appreciate it uh okay so enough about that let's talk about survivor um yeah okay what's (laughs) different from my approach with um to to what i was thinking about in june you know before the world fell apart when we were like still fine um arguably i I think I was, my winner pick was Natalie Anderson. Saw how that worked out. But I think my goal was sort of like, who's going to be under the radar? Like, who's going to be, you know, like we criticized your Tyson pick. Like, I thought Tyson was drawing dead. Like, who's going to be under the radar, but play a great game that will be rewarded at the end? What I did not consider enough, I think, is how important the meat shield strategy would be, especially on Boston Rob's original tribe. Like that Boss and Robin Parvati would go so long that Jeremy would want to be protecting them, that Ethan would take the hit over them, the more under the radar player would be the one to take the hit first. I don't think I factored that in. I think we all are probably surprised that Boss and Rob got even to this point, that Parv's still in the game. So if I could go back, it's hard, right? It's like a gamble. Like I think Natalie Anderson now would be doing amazing if she just wasn't one of the first people clipped. Well, I think Natalie Anderson is doing amazing. Like, I, I actually fair, think fair, fair. that she, I mean, think about how many fire tokens she already has. She has, an, you know, uh, I think a leg up to get back into the game. And if she comes back in and uh, I mean, I don't know, I have a hard time seeing the winners rewarding somebody who is on the edge of extinction. But at the same time, I think she could easily get back into the game. And if she comes back in at the, you know, the earlier slot and then can really do some work, I think she definitely could still win this game. So here's I think, oh, go ahead. I, I think that on the edge of extinction right now, out of the was it six people we have on there, I think reliably ha- actually I would say about I'd say actually everyone except for Rob and Amber, I think, could, you know, be able to make their way back into the game pretty seamlessly. Because I think, especially from someone like Tyson's perspective, again, you go back to the threat thing, but I feel like one of the big reasons why he was voted out last episode was because of his connection to Rob. So if Rob isn't in the game, people won't be thinking about that, you know? And I feel like even he could be someone that could slip under the radar, especially considering that, like, it seemed like people got along with him. Like, he had a great relationship with Sarah. And then you look at people like Danny and Ethan, who just seem like very amiable people in general who would be able to slip under the radar like they did in their first seasons. I, I, I would, I still don't exactly know if it would be, like, a winning, winning strategy, but I think it's, I think a lot of these people stand a chance of at least going far if we do indeed see the comeback challenge in a couple of episodes. I do see what Liana's saying, that it is hard, it's hard to imagine this season ending with an Underwood mm-hmm. outcome, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's hard to imagine someone comes back from Edge, three days later, they're the winner of the season or whatever. I know it's not three days, everyone leave me alone. Um... We also are seeing more strategic opportunities on edge. I feel like this season, maybe I'm just misremembering or like blacking out last season, but I feel like because of the fire tokens and because of like being the first person to find the advantage so many times and strategically deciding who to give it to and amassing fire tokens and then how you use them, like you're still playing the game a lot more than maybe you were 
at least for camera than you were when it was like, oh, yeah, you're just like schmoozing the jury and like getting fish for them. And then they really like you. So I think like if somebody were to come in at this stage, they have a better case than than somebody who's coming in in a crisp spot. Um, But it is hard for me to be like, like, I'm. I, I'm like one of those people who like doesn't try to read the edit and I don't try to like, oh, but they actually said this happened. Like, I like to watch the TV show. And in that respect, I have to just think like, OK, like Natalie's out of the game with an asterisk that she's not really out of the game. You know, like, I don't think any of these people are in my top most likely winners. But when they come back to the game, I'll reassess at that point, if that makes sense. Mm hmm. Yeah, I know that's boring, but it's like it's too it's too many variables. Once you say like, okay, it really is who will who will get back? I've also seen people get burned before with getting advantages and it not meaning meaning anything in the actual challenge. So you know, well, yeah, especially <laughs> like people have been realizing this that if the call goes to tribal council next week, which apparently they'll have twice the opportunities to do so, considering next week's apparently a double tribal council, we could be facing a pre-merge advantage get-in situation where someone like Tony ends up leaving the game, but not for a reason that any of us expected. It's just purely if, if a bunch of people play the advantages that they have and Tony's just left holding the bat. Oh, I, I really hope that, that, so that doesn't happen. That would be so, would be so sad. But I, I like your point, Allie, about the fact that it definitely feels like the Edge of Extinction people are somehow more involved still a little bit in terms of the actual gameplay just because of all the bequeathing. Like, you know, you get an advantage and you get an advantage, but of course they have to pay for it. So they're like the crappy version of Santa Claus. Like, here, let me give you all these things, but oh no, I need a fire token for it. Uh, oh, so you mean like the store? Oh, I don't know what that concept is anymore <laughs> guys Ooh, just, i've seen crappy versions of santa claus all over this place there's the laundry version of it there's the food version of it oh my god you guys it's like every freaking corner it's like somebody's trying to be like oh i'm santa claus but i'm the crappy version of him i make you pay for those things you know leona i really think you should have a career in politics because i think with this idea of like capitalism and its pros and cons you could really be like you know capitalism the corporations are really like a crappy version of santa claus and that's how you get into the hearts and minds of the people <laughs> i think i think i could really run with that mike <laughs> Let's... don't alienate the jews though that's like i feel very alienated oh, by that yep that's a, that's a good point okay all right this is my crack team of people that I want to bring in together. I think we could really make a run at this, guys, especially because everything is so insane right now. I think that, you know, the crappy version of Santa Claus platform and other versions to include more people, you know, we could really run with that. Put it on the wheel. Right, it's like, it's like, need a candidate. <laughs> right. It's like it's like throwing an unlit match into a fire. You know, it's yeah. not exactly adding anything no. to the to the overall effect. Yeah. Like, let's just add another voice to the swell of sound that is happening right now. Like, that just makes sense. Uh, all right. Well, let's start getting into this episode, because I will say, I think I said this last week, but I feel like this was the most straightforward episode of the season. Right. I mean. Boston Rob, we can, I think, make quibbles about, like, was he swap screwed? Did he happen to end up on the tribe with people who just directly wanted to get rid of him? I'm not entirely sure. It seemed like the community at large at the time the episode was airing was pretty confident that Boston Rob was going to be going home. But I think for me, and I was talking with Liana about this offline, that I think the mark of a good Survivor season for me is if even your most straightforward, boring episodes have entertainment value to them, then that's the mark of a good season, in my opinion. And I felt like I was entertained by this. And it wasn't purely with the strategy that was being done or the malarkey that was happening, but I think it was just 
the people responding to it. Like this whole buddy system on steroids scene. The, the most entertaining version of it by far was like hearing the other people respond to this ridiculous concept in the moment. And that makes you realize, in my opinion, how much a cast fundamentally makes a season. So even though, yes, this episode did not have any sort of crazy blind sides happening, I think because of the people that were involved with this crazy tribe in question, it's still made for a really entertaining time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved this episode. Also, how deep of a Parks and Rec cut could I make here if I had made a straightforward vote Fedora reference? No? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me this was a straightforward vote? I didn't, okay. Um, yeah, I loved this episode. To me, this episode, I texted my friend who hadn't watched yet because, like, how dare he miss it on a Wednesday? And I had to say something about it. I was like, um, and I've gotten so spoiled by watching with people in, at Kalish's, like, what is it like survivor fantasy know-it-alls he hosts in New York. Um, and so now I had to watch like without anyone because, you know, coronavirus and so I had to text people. But anyway, I was like, this is to me like a, a traditional episode of Survivor. Like, yes, you might know who's going home, but there's still excitement. It's it's seeing a lot of social dynamics that were really fun. I think it was good that it was the swap episode and that all three tribes swapped into really interesting configurations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't like you're saying, Mike, like the strategy wasn't necessarily like gripping the the dynamics were fun on all three tribes, I thought, and are really teeing up, I think, a very interesting merge and and post merge game. And, you know, I really did enjoy I, I knew it made sense for Boston Rob to go home, although I'd like to debate whether or not that was actually the right move, because I don't think it was for both of them. Mm. But but. Um, it was interesting to see like where Sophie has that great line with like, sometimes you have to trust a wink. Like they had not been able to talk. Do they have enough trust and enough nerve to not play their advantages and to just go with it and see what happens? Like that to me was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when you have such dynamic people all interacting with one another, which I've been saying all season, it's just so fun to watch that play out. And because you had, you know, now these new groups of five and everybody's sort of scrambling to figure out, okay, what, you know, what are the relationships at play? How are people going to interact with one another? And it happened on all three tribes was so cool. And I appreciate the fact that the editors also recognize Hey, maybe we don't need EOE this week, you know, like let's right. take the time to dedicate to each of the tribes to really set up what's going on. That way I felt like, yes, the writing was on the wall for Boston Rob. So as soon as they lost, I felt like it was immediate that he was probably going to go home. Um, but I still was appreciative of the fact that we could set up every tribe so that we knew what was going on, depending on which one went home. Um, I just thought this was such a really amazing episode like this to me. This to me was what I was hoping for in the pregame in terms of the episodes. Mm. Like this was watching the people that I have gotten to know over watching this show interact with one another in such weird ways. And yes, there's the advantage get in looming, which I'm absolutely terrified of. But each of oh, my God, maybe it's also the women and each of each of the pairs. Like everything was so amazing. This episode, I really loved this episode. Yeah, I think that, you know, pairs that we were waiting to interact with each other for one reason or another. Like I loved watching Jeremy become the new straight man to Tony's antics, mm-hmm. for instance. And we see that especially in the secret scene. We obviously are going to get into all the Sele stuff between like the Yule and Parvati and obviously the Michelle and Wendell of it all. I was actually I was um on another Survivor podcast earlier this week and they were talking about the swap and I'm like, yeah, you know, I think usually DeCall's gonna be the one to stick together. Like imagine if uh Boston Rob swaps onto a tribe with Ben and Adam, like they're not gonna get along whatsoever. 
And look what happened. It's almost serendipitous that it ended up with those three guys specifically mm-hmm. who just were were sort of like in a Mexican standoff at one point a few episodes ago. It, it's crazy to think about, but it ended up working out really well. Each tribe is three to two, but because these are returning players and because there are, as Wendell says, this is a season about histories and past relationships, there's still room to maneuver, as we saw here, where even though this is the only tribe where Sele has a majority, Adam and Ben end up turning on Boston Rob to work with Sophie and Sarah. But Ali, I'm going to throw it to you because I, I want to, you know, I'll put you on the podium to give your thoughts as to why you were not particularly happy with the move they made here. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm not, not happy with it, but I think there, and this came up on, I don't even know which know-it-alls. There are so many great know-it-alls to listen to this week, but like, where do they go from here? Mm-hmm. If they go back to the council, next week (laughs) the council sophie and sarah are a much stronger pair Mm. than adam and ben and they don't know the advantages that the women have but even without the advantages right like ben and adam are they going to go to rocks on season 40 for each other like are one of them going to go to rocks for the other one I, Mm. i don't think so um so What I'm not clear on is if Ben and Adam both knew the other one was also going to flip. That's one. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. that we saw them talk. We didn't see anyone really talk, but we kind of saw like Ben and Sarah separate from um, Sophie and Adam. And so in an ideal world, one of them flips, demonstrates loyalty, and the other one is the next to go, potentially, right? Or Mm -hmm. in an ideal world, they're not going to two tribal, two tribes aren't going to tribal next week. Um, But I think they're in trouble. Whereas if you go with Rob, right, like, you know, Rob has no incentive to flip. So if you actually go with Rob, you know, at least you're surviving the next week. And then you duke it out in the merge with maybe fewer allies than you would have had if Sarah and Sophie take you as the third. Hmm. But it just feels very high risk going into next week. No, it, it makes sense because I think I, I do see your point there because I think that if you look at the three, I actually feel like Boston Rob is probably the least threatening on paper out of all of them, considering that, like you said, if they found out that Rob really was on the bottom of Sele as much as he was, like he's not going to have any pull, you know, and that means he's also more likely to come the merge, flip over with him and Parvati to vote against the other Sele people and really sink that Sele ship. The other hand, I wonder if Sarah and Sophie considered, you know, they both have advantages, but Sarah knows that advantages are coming from the edge of extinction. I wonder if the longer you have Boston Rob in the game, the more this idea of like, well, he can buy advantages from his wife and his best friend on the edge of extinction, like how much that starts to loom more and more as the game progresses. Well, I understand why the women wanted Rob out. And I understand why people want Rob out in general, 100%. If anything, I'm surprised he wasn't voted out earlier because it really frustrated me all season that once Amber got voted out, that they didn't vote Rob out in that next tribal because, uh, sure, they didn't know for sure that stuff was coming from Edge, but in EOE, stuff came from Edge. So, like, get him out of there. Now you have, no one's going to be pissed at you because his wife's not on the other side to be pissed. And uh, he won't be getting stuff. But but I'm more from Ben and Adam's perspective. I don't know where they go next week. I, I think, you know, who who does Boston Rob have, right, left in the game? Parv? Parvati. Right. Jeff? Je- Jeff? Jeff. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the looming. The producers. 
<laughs> the the potential gifts over from EOE. I just I feel like what is really threatening about Boston Rob apart from the name Boston Rob and the fact that he has a bust like built of him, right? He's he's honestly relatively predictable. You know, and and so I think that if you are on the outside of his numbers, so for the women, I think absolutely getting Boston Rob out because he will be, you know, he will be more willing to try to stick um, with the boys, I think. Right. Like getting him out makes sense. But for Adam and Ben, like I, 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 I get it, but I also don't get it. You know, like Ali starts to put together the logic of, all right, if you go again. The girls are going to stick together and even take a, you know, set aside the advantages. Then, you know, what, what, like, what is their plan is what I would really like to know. What I wonder is, and Ali talked about this a bit in sort of like the individual meetings that Sarah and Sophie were courting with all these Sele boys. If it's less about the two of them working together and more so like they went to Sarah and Sophie and said, okay, it's the three of us and we'll take out Rob and either Ben or Adam, whoever's left out of the deal. You know, that it's it's more mm-hmm. so every man for himself, which, again, speaks to the individuality of this just thrown together trio that they do not trust each other an ounce, even on one vote together. When they have the majority, they're going to say, I'm going to sell this other person down the river and make a deal with these two people. Because in this case, the devil I don't know is better than the devil I do. Right. So, I mean, that was kind of my assumption, too, is that like, all right, so let's assume that they're operating as essentially third parties, um, that they're Ben and Adam aren't talking to one another and they're operating uh, with the the entity that is Sarah and Sophie. Then I've seen this question brought up on, you know, the various podcasts. But then who do we think made the right decision? Was it Adam or was it Ben? I guess, yeah, the question is, I guess, who was Rob coming for more? Like, I think that, I think it was probably the right decision for Adam, because I think if I'm trying to get into Boston Rob's hat-covered head, trying to figure out what the pecking order is, I feel like he'd get rid of Adam before Ben. Like, I know he wanted to target Ben previously because he's a wild card, but if you're looking at that relationship, I feel like Ben dislikes Rob a lot more than Rob dislikes Ben. (laughs) See, to me, I think of it as who's most like the person who made the right decision is the person who doesn't get voted out next week. And I know that's like stupid, but Mm. like who's got the most sway? I I think I agree with whoever talked about this on Know It Alls, whether it was the many greats who talked at the L.A. Live show with Rob or Rick and Shannon, who were also great. So maybe they both covered this. My brain is mush. Sorry, I haven't left my house. Um, But Adam seems to be with Sophie. And Ben seems to be with Sarah. So now it's sort of Mm -hmm. like who has the bigger, more pull between Sarah and Sophie, who's willing to use their sort of one and like pull their rank on the other, you know, like someone might want to be more agreeable and who really cares as between Adam and Ben. So maybe it's like Sophie wants to give this to Sarah to feel, to build more trust or vice versa. Um, To me, It's tough, right? Like, Adam is the bigger strategic threat, despite the many blunders he's made in the game. I think as between the two of them, I think Ben has been a blast, this like an unsuspected blast Mm. this season, but I think Adam has the better strategic chops. So he's a bigger strategic threat. Also, they've heard his background that he was shifty and playing both sides, so he Mm -hmm. seems kind of like a wild card to me. At the same time, he's a completely free agent with... he did not vote with his entire other tribe. So when he gets to the merge, he's probably more likely to stay with them than Ben. At the same time, you're facing the merge where Ben is won several challenges individually on his season and might be harder to get rid of 
after the game goes to individual challenges after the merge. So I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know who made the right choice, but it, like it will be very interesting to see. And I'm excited that the decision will likely be made by Sarah and Sophie. And that will be a very mm-hmm. interesting conversation to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because they don't really like Sophie admits she never really trusted Sarah. This is a really unlikely partnership that they ended up fostering. And I guess the whole half idol thing ended up bringing them together in this moment. And who knows what that means moving forward. I just loved this tribe because of the dual scenes of, you know, first Rob interrogating Sarah and Sophie, basically saying like, hey, why did you get rid of my wife and my best friend in this game? What was the vote? And then this horribly awkward scene at the well, not the most awkward scene of the episode, but when they said like, oh yeah, what happened at the Ethan vote? And the three guys are like, who wants to tell him? Who wants to talk about how much of a clusterfuck that vote was? Oh my gosh, that was so funny. And that was so great to see how each one of them reacted in that situation. I think it really describes their personalities. And it was just, I mean, you could not have predicted or expected a better situation than having the three of them. I guess, Mike, you did. Um, Having the three of them, the three boys together on, on one tribe. So brilliant. Well, speaking of predictions, let's talk about how we thought Ra Mariano would do. This is my Uh, favorite part. (laughs) Obviously, preseason, it's a very high variance pick, right? Especially given the edge of extinction. We knew that he was going to be on our screens no matter what. We even talked uh, in the the aforementioned June podcast we did about, like, however long he's on, he's going to be taking up time. I don't I think it's safe to say that just on the whole in the community, none of us predicted Boston Rob to make it, you know, six votes in. Uh, I think if anything, you'd say like maybe the first three or four, maybe he'd get past the first couple of challenges, but definitely not to the swap. Lo and behold, here we are, red hat or blue hat. We're bowing our caps to him in this moment. Liana, how did you think Boston Rob was going to do preseason? God, I am wondering how many fire tokens you gave to this man. <laughs> um, okay, <clears throat> so I said that he would have a similar game to Sandra in Game Changers, a.k.a. run the table early but pay the price for it. I said that he would get a steal a person advantage where he can steal someone what? from the other tribe. Um, and he stole Tyson. <laughs> and I also said that he would have... Wait, 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 wait. Can, uh, we, can we talk about how this twist would work? Yeah. <laughs> would it just be like, oh, stop, Jeff, Tyson... <laughs> You coming with me? Yeah, I I don't know. Again, thinking it through was clearly not top of mind when I was putting together my prediction. Or, or is it like what he has to do? Like, would he have to pull a Sarah and like sneak into the camp, kidnap Tyson, and then bring him back to camp without anybody noticing? That is much more entertaining. So, in the fictional world that I created, I would fingers crossed, hope for that. Um, but I guess I just expected it to be like at a reward challenge or something, and he'd be like, "Hey, Jeff," <laughs> like play his reward, and then steal tyson i don't know yeah I don't know. the reward is tyson <laughs> yeah right exactly um it's like when you can join in on the reward right <laughs> like one exactly. of those i don't know um and then last thing i said was that he would have a confessional where he says i was born at night but not last night and for the fire tokens i said he would have none but because he threw them in the fire, convincing others to do the same. I don't need Ooh. any fire tokens. Uh-huh. All right. Well, you weren't actually too far away from the bag dump of him like yeah. being able to convince a group en masse to do something pretty stupid. I feel like that's a very Boston Rob thing to do. Be like, guys, we all have to do in this group behavior that helps no one but me. Okay, so let's all do this. Um, and so that's what he did for that. His ally was Parv and his enemy was Jeremy. 
Okay. Uh, so I said that Rob would try to form a guy's alliance early on, but then ends up in the minority very quickly oh. when he gets outfoxed. <laughs> I said he would jump out of alliances easily, maybe sort of in that Sandra Game Changers motto. And I said, despite Jeff talking him up as the puzzle master, he will fail at the puzzles several times, Whoa. but receive little to no flack for it. Uh, I said his closest ally was Ethan. His worst enemy was Ben. He ends up with zero fire tokens, though I did not expect any sort of like cultist burning of the fire tokens. And he has 30 confessionals by season's end. Oh, I forgot confessional. So you nailed it pretty much. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how many, how, you know, how the confessionals grow. I think actually Rob has been like pretty steady. Surprisingly, I was checking the confessional charts. I think Adam is the confessional leader this season, which you would imagine in a season with Tony, Sandra, Boston, Rob, Tyson, like that he would be the top is pretty staggering, but I guess he's been involved in so much. But I think this is the first episode where Rob had like more than five confessionals. And assuming if he's going to spend the rest of the season on EOE and we know how much of a time suck that could be occasionally, like we may see more from him. It might reach that 30 confessional mark by the end Mm -hmm. of the season. Can I ask a question? And I, I don't feel like this is like the direction this podcast is going, but I, I want you to settle a debate between me and my good friend Jonathan Foreman, Jofo the oh, Mofo. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So he he's to look, I love Adam, okay? I'm not trying to snatch anyone's wig. I'm not trying to be mean to any of the delicate geniuses that are the survivor players. However, I will say it's not personal. On a survivor character watching the television level, I'm a chump from home. I know that. Okay, is that enough? like preview for that Devin's okay Adam to me is this like kind of bumbling fool this season like I love Adam I still historically stand Adam but to me Adam a winner is not this season and I picked him in our draft and Keeve gave me shit about it he they have had so many moments including this episode where he can't get the urn back on the, the lid on the urn when he's voting and like the inclusion of all of this to me, does not a winner make. However, hmm. Jofo the Mofo insists that Adam is getting a quote winner's edit. So we don't need to debate like the winner's edit, but I want to know from you guys if you think Adam can win the game at this point. I also just want to say first before we get into that question that Delicate Geniuses is the perfect alternate title to Survivor Know It Alls. <laughs> Aw, <laughs> I love it. Um, All right, okay, Leona, well, what, I, what, what do yeah. you think about that? What do you think about Adam's point in the game? Okay, I will go first. So, first of all, and and I'm I'm happy that you brought it up this way, Allie, because I think it's like, oh, in terms of how your Adam is being viewed or being portrayed, right? Like nothing about him personally as a person, right? This is about the way that like his edit is being told to us. You definitely get that, right? I mean, we've had three incidences now of him sort of like floundering a little bit, which I'm sure I would equally make mistakes like that. And the way that that, what I'm being told about him is that he is this kind of like bumbling fool, right? And in maybe a similar way that Ben is. And I kind of feel like both of those people, both Adam and Ben, I would knock out of winner contention because of the way that they are being told to me as characters by the show. Yeah, I would say that I think the reason why we're seeing Adam is because I think he's playing the hardest out of anyone in this cast. Like, I think he is someone who's walking in there and has like a plan for almost every vote. We saw that from the very first thing where him and Denise were sort of, you know, 
caught out for getting lost on the way to the well. And so he had to, you know, struggle to sway the votes back in Natalie and Jeremy's way. So, I mean, I think one of the reasons why we're seeing so much of him and hence his mistakes as well is just because he's had ample opportunities to show that strategy as opposed to maybe someone a bit more under the radar, uh, maybe even someone like Sandra, who, you know, is sort of steering the course and having a more steering a ship that's a little bit more steady. Adam's trying to veer, purposely steered his boat into the rockier side of the water and is trying to steer around all these rocks. And that's why there's so many waves that are being caused. We've seen weirder winner edits, but I would say at this moment that I'm not sure that Adam is playing like the best game at the moment. Now, that being said, if, if he came to the post-merge and he was able to sort of like settle into things, maybe defy the, the sort of two-faced aspect that he was trying to accomplish last episode, there's still a lot of game to play. There's two-thirds of the game left. He'd be able to do that. But, I mean, if you have a majority controlled by someone like Yule, who, again, wants to work with the, like, rational, logical, predictable people, Adam is not necessarily proving that. I have had so much fun with him as a narrator. We have had so much fun with him as a narrator on this podcast. And I think he's really interesting to watch from a player perspective. I would much rather see a person like make mistakes on Survivor and me see their methodology than for them to just be like staying the course under the radar. We barely hear from them. So I am grateful for what we've seen from Adam so far. But if we're going with you versus Jofo, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you at this point. And here's the other thing, right? Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel because like, yes, he's making strategic blunders, but he's taking swings and that's fun. And he's like trying to like that conversation with him in Boston, Rob, where he's like trying to be like, I'm letting you in on the plan is like, that's great. That's hilarious. But like when, when Adam is, you know, I'm sorry. And as Jofo said to me, you wouldn't be able to do that challenge. Like, okay, you don't know that, but probably not. But when Adam is like taking 50 times to jump and get the keys and then the team wins that he finally gets it and they win. And he has that great moment where he's saying like, my mom always told me like Adam never get like the, the school. My mom, I never give up and I didn't give up. To me, the takeaway from the challenge was like, Adam cost his team a lot of time, but he didn't get up. Good for him. And then they made up a hell of a lot of time on the puzzle. Like, to me, the takeaway wasn't like Adam won the challenge for his tribe. Like, I'm not trying to say like it was sort of like a serene moment. Like, it was nice Mm -hmm. that Adam accomplished that for himself. But he was not the hero of the challenge. Like he lost. Right, but but I think the show, I mean, I think it's nice that you compare it to Sari because I feel like the show was making a moment out of that. When in reality... Yes, it was something that inevitably cost time. And we should also put the blame on people like Parvati as well. You know, Adam was able to grab the key when the other two couldn't. But that being said, they wanted to build it into this big moment. I don't know if it's a winner confessional. I think more so than anything this season, they really want to concentrate on like emotional journeys. Hence the Yule stuff we got this episode with Jonathan Penner and Stacey Title and the whole ALS thing. I think they're just willing to focus more on emotional arcs and be concerned less so about like, what does this say about their winner chances? I may be completely wrong on this one, but that's what I'd like to believe. No, I think that's right, especially with like the Tyson first day crying moment. Like to me, that didn't mean anything except that like, look at what all these people sacrificed to be here. Like this is like, this is the big, the big leagues. But but I'm sort of like, why are we cutting in? Well, who did Adam piss off that we're cutting in? And maybe it's just because, and this is why I think I stand Ben this season, not as a winner, but as a person on the show, because there aren't enough bumbling idiots and not mm-hmm. that Ben is an idiot, but like Ben's dancing in the background. Like Ben is having fun. He's like playing fast and loose. Like we need a little 
bit of that. And maybe that's why Adam, unfortunately for him, is getting these edits where he can't get the lid on the urn. Like, why are they including that Adam can't get his torch in the hole twice? Like, Adam can't do these things. Like, is it just because there aren't enough people who aren't great players to, like, liven things up on their side of the aisle because... Tony's not with them. I don't know. Have you ever heard about like, okay, there's always the one person in the group that everybody makes fun of. And then if that person leaves, they'll find someone new within the mm. group to make fun of. The Jerry, another yes. person rec- yes, reference. Yes, exactly. Or, or the Toby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So if that person leaves, right, then you have to find a new Jerry. Okay. And like, who's it going to be? And I feel like maybe that's the case because we're playing with all winners. You know, we have less of the sort of like bumbling, fumbling type moments. So when you have them with Ben, you have them with uh, with Adam, you know, you want to highlight them because it provides a source of levity to the season. And so you're you know, you want to laugh and you want to have fun. And so they're just the new Jerry. Adam's the new Jerry. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I boy, like I can't wait. I can't wait to see the mural that Adam makes over at the, the Yara Beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not allowed to go to the bathroom, uh, not in public. So I guess. uh Oh, yeah. Like, it's yeah. a buddy system. He will have to paint some sort of urinal. <laughs> Do you think that Adam's going to get medevaced after he breaks his arm and he tries to feed a raccoon a burrito? <laughs> yeah, when he was in the park at night and he got mugged. <laughs> well, just again, let's just clarify here. I think we all love Adam Klein as a person, and I think he's been bringing a lot of entertaining stuff to this season, whether good gameplay, questionable gameplay. It, it's been really interesting to watch, and it seems like, as we talked about, with the general Boston Rob decision, it seems like we're going to be seeing even more of him next week. And if he ends up going out next week, I think it might be one of the bigger pre-merge stories we've seen in recent Survivor. Look, Adam Klein's marriage line. That's it. I'm done. That's enough. He did. He, like his casting on this season. He's earned it. I okay because he gave me marriage, um, which Rob even got to use on the Nick Majorano podcast. So like it's it's lovely. It's amazing, and it will. Well, I'm glad you guys stay with me. <laughs> we're so nice to him after I was just so mean. That you were it's not. appreciated. I, I will also say he had a he didn't have like a marriage moment this week, but he sort of had a similar type of delivery when he's like, "It's boring." When he's talking about the buddy system. <laughs> Maybe that's just his normal inflection. Maybe I should pay attention more when he speaks. <laughs> Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right, well, let's get in, Let's get into some games here, because we have a lot of fun stuff prepared this week. Liana, what's up on Oh, deck? yes. Okay. All right. So, Rob got voted out this week. Duh. We just talked about it. So... Based on that, I have a game uh, which was provided by Jonathan Troyer. I've made some edits, added some questions, but this was inspired by Jonathan. So thank you. And he wrote this amazing title. Somberly ponder these romber trivia questions sourced, of course, from IMDb, you see. (laughs) Wait, did some so someone, a listener wrote in with a Dr. Seuss-esque forward. To this game, we have the best damn listeners in the world. I I love this to pieces already. Uh, Anyway, so as you can uh, probably infer from the title, these are questions about Romber, Rob, and Amber, sourced, of course, from their IMDb pages. Okay? So the way this is going to work is um, I have multiple choice questions, and it's up to you to uh, get the correct answers. So, Mike, the first question, we will start with you. 
Amber Byron. Okay. Yeah. Are we good? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, no, I'm, I'm excited. We're essentially doing IMD bags oh, right yeah, now yeah. for Robin Amber. This is like the formalized version of IMD bags because, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's like IMD sack. Like, it's not a bag. It's something more dressed up. But yeah, it's like the crappy Santa Claus's sack, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, you mean like a shopping bag? Oh, right. Oh, yes. Yeah, but now you have to pay 10 cents for it. So, uh, all right. So, this first question is from Mike. Amber Bayerano's only acting credit on IMDb is an uncredited extra in a film released in 2000. What was it? And I'll give you the multiple choice answers. A. Wonder, <laughs> Wonder Boys, starring Michael Douglas, Toby Maguire, and Francis McDormand. B. High Fidelity, John Cusack, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Jack Black. C. Almost Famous, you know who's in it. And The Muppets Have a Blast in Hiroshima. <laughs> well, well, that's okay. Well, that last one I hope is not a real movie. Otherwise, Jim Henson is like not even rolling in his grave. He's doing pirouettes <laughs> at that point. A little twish here. I, a little I don't twish. Feel, yeah, I, I don't feel like High Fidelity. Like I, I'm trying to think like, who would cast Amber? You know, what does Amber sort of fit in? Is she the type to go into a record store? I personally don't think so. Is she the type to frequent uh, one of these concerts by Billy Crudup and Jason Lee and whoever else was in that band? Maybe. I could feel that. I've never heard of Wonder Boys before. A professor suffering from writer's block tries to deal with the pressures of his complex life. Okay, this makes me feel Are like... Are you using like Google? Is that allowed? Is this regulation? Yeah, hey, you can't... I mean, I'm allowed to look up what the movie... Wa- what okay, if she's well, one Liana. of the first credited people? <laughs> well, she's taking this uncredited extra, but yes. <laughs> Liana, what is the movie Wonder Boys about then? Can I go to the judges on that uh, one? Yeah, sure. You can go to the judges on that one where I, instead of you, will go to the IMDb page. Um, okay, so uh, this is a movie that happened that was released in 2000. Uh, okay, an English professor tries to deal with his wife leaving him. The arrival of his editor, who has been waiting for his book for seven years, and the various problems that his friends and associates involve him in. And Tobey Maguire's so, in it, and Michael Douglas. I feel like, if I'm looking at, like, between a record store attendee, a concert attendee, slash groupie, or a college student, who's the, what am I most likely to catch? If I'm central casting, who am I figuring out Amber Mariano for when she was Amber Burkich. I'm going to go with Wonder Boys. I feel like she was like 22 at the time. I think I think she perfectly fits that mold for college students. Quick question. If he's wrong, I'm not saying he is. He's probably right. We'll be right on all these. Do I get to steal? Um, No, because Damn it. I guess I can. OK. All right. All right. We'll twist it up. All right. Let's change things on the fly. <laughs> you can just guess if you want to just guess. Otherwise, your opponent can steal. All right. Otherwise, if you want, I'll give you the multiple choice options. How about that? Okay. No, so no, I'll never guess- be able to do that. That's fine. Go back to your regular rule. I mean, do whatever you we'll want. We'll figure this it out. Weird. Well, let's play. Okay. So, first of all, yes, Mikey, you were correct. So, congratulations. Also, that's the most work I think or logic anyone's ever put into trying to figure <laughs> out Amber Myrano's only acting credit. Um, so, congratulations. That's a point for you. Yes. All right, so Allie, this next question is what television award was Rob nominated for in 2005? So if you'd like to just Whoa. guess, you may. No, no, I'm never okay. going to just guess this crap. <laughs> are you sure? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. All right, so these are your options. A, a Golden Globe. B, a Teen Choice Award. C, a National Reality TV Award. Or D, the Golden Collar Award. 
was he nominated for or he yes, won? Nominated for. Uh, it probably took him four nominations to win, right? Most, well, that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's a Golden Globe. <laughs> Teen Choice Award <laughs> could be doing some like early aughts bullshit of like best reality show contestant. Okay, what was the other one? Oh, I love that. Is that like a Lauren Conrad impression as she's announcing things at the Teen Choice Awards? Oh my god, thank you so much. Such an honor. Um, Could you imagine <laughs> Bossa Rob being like, thanks for the surfboard. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> he definitely didn't win. Yeah, he was nominated. He was not, right, and otherwise it would say he won. Now I'd like to, now introducing Dream Street. <laughs> Really, all up on Jesse McCartney. So, what were the other two um, yeah. awards I haven't heard of? C, the National Reality TV Awards, or D, the Golden Collar. What could a golden collar be? That sounds like <laughs> an award for a dog. All right, I think it's far too like highbrow, like not highbrow. I think it's far too like mainstream for it to be right. But at first, when you said collar, I thought it was like caller to a radio show like he won a radio show award like the, <laughs> the best caller caller award <laughs> um like the most times called but um the national the reality one seems like too op- like what you would put in as a that's probably right but i'm gonna say a teen choice award that is correct yes Ooh, it, yeah it was a teen choice award in the reality slash variety star male category <laughs> Nailed it. Well, yeah. Wait, who is he nominated against? I'm so intrigued. Uh, I don't know, do you know but this? he lost to Bo Nice from American Idol. Bo Nice? Bo- oh, this is spelled wrong. <laughs> Bo Nice. Bo Nice. <laughs> I was like, who is that? I was like, I don't know who that is. Um, oh, Bo turned Nice. Out to be Bo Nice. <laughs> Dude, really, you should bone Nice right now, okay? Wow, that's I, if I could pick one person that's would be more awkward to win a Teen Choice Award than Boston Rob, it would be Bo Bice from American Idol. <laughs> oh man, I don't know who else is in the category. Probably someone named Bo Nice as well, but you never know. Um, and yes, Ali, the Golden Collar is actually an award for dogs in film and TV. Started in 2012, so. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, Mike, question for you. Amber was also nominated for a Teen Choice Award in 2004 and 2005. Who did she lose to? You're welcome to just guess if you'd like. Dream Street is not an option. Okay, give give me choices. Okay, A, Jessica Simpson and Carrie Underwood. B, Paula Abdul and Kendra Todd. C, Paris Hilton and Victoria Gotti, or D, Lisa Welchel and Shambo. Oh, okay. Well, I think that's... What a slate. The the teens are really into Shambo. I know that. (laughs) They stan her. Oh, man. Okay, I'm trying to think of, like... I I, I feel like the Playboy Bunnies were not that popular among the teens to necessitate Kendra Todd getting an award despite the Carrie Underwood of it all. What, what were B and C again? Uh, no, B was Paula Abdul and Kendra Todd. Uh, A was Jessica okay. Simpson and Carrie Underwood. C, Paris Hilton and mm. Victoria Gotti. Victoria Gotti. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with C here. I'm sorry, it was Jessica Simpson and Carrie Underwood. Oh, I was so close. Duh. So, wait, so I want to. So, so I'm reading off the 2005 Teen Choice Awards. And <laughs> Me too. I, so so Rob lost to Bo Bice. The other people nominated in the category for Choice TV Reality Variety Star Male: Travis Barker from Meet the Barkers, mm-hmm. Stephen Coletti from Laguna Beach, Kevin Federline. Oh Lord, 
the the Gotties, ah. Bam Margera, and Tom Westman. I, now I'm even stratifying. I think <laughs> the, even more awkward than Rob Mariano or Bo Bice winning would be Tom Westman winning a Teen Choice. Did award. he go? Do you think he showed up? Who Tom Westman? Yeah, think he even no, went? he's def- I'm I'm googling yeah. Tom Weston Teen Choice Awards. That would be amazing. Uh, I would also say, Liana, can you guess who hosted the Teen Choice Awards? Because I don't think you would ever be able to. Oh my gosh! In 2005, um, yes. I don't know who was like around in 2005. How about Paris Hilton? No, it was a co-host of Real Dream Duo, Hillary Duff and Rob Schneider. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hillary Duff, I get, but Rob Schneider, what? Like, I don't want him anywhere near the Teen Choice Awards. Let's be clear here. Like, stay at least 60 feet away from the Teen Choice Awards, Rob Schneider. Oh, God. My gosh. What was he up to? Was that before? No, Deuce Bigelow was around that time, right? I think Deuce Bigelow was 2001. Oh, my God. Guys. (laughs) What a world. And to think Uh, 2020 is insane. I'm looking at 2005 though, and I think I think these awards are fixed, guys. Why? Like I'm looking at choice movie breakout performance, female winner Haley Duff, Napoleon Dynamite. Ooh. Choice movie blush scene winner Hillary Duff at the school <laughs> rally. I think the fix is in here with the Duffs. <gasps> I think the Duffs bought their way into the Teen Choice Awards. Uh, more importantly, Will Smith from the movie Hitch won the comedy actor category. Wow. He beat out Vin Diesel. Yes. Will Ferrell. Ashton Kutcher. Like this. Wow. And Hitch. What a What was movie. Vin Diesel nominated for? Triple X? The Pacifier. Oh, the, the Pacifier. Oh, the Pacifier. <laughs> trying to place right Vin comedy. Diesel movies. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What an interesting year for media. Wow. Who is, choice movie actor, action adventure thriller, Chad Michael Murray for House of Wax is an <laughs> award winning performance. He needs a rise you and know, fall of. What's he up to? When did Triple X come out? Now I'm upset. Do you know, it uh, came out in 2002. Do you know there was a period of time? I saw this in theaters and loved it. And there was a period of time where I was like going around in 2002 telling people my favorite movie was Triple X. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just pursuing people being like, fun fact, I love Triple X. <laughs> I was asked, when you're 11, you're often asked what your favorite movie is. Like, oh, Triple X is phenomenal. <laughs> do people, well, how do people re- re- respond to that when you, they talk to like this 11-year-old girl and they respond that her favorite movie is Triple X? Oh, as though people responded. <laughs> oh, they just walked away? <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I have another engagement. Goodbye, Triple X girl. <laughs> Go to, I don't go to want another that dentist. nickname to stick. I, I don't need that nickname to stick. Oh, man. <laughs> Triple X Triple girl. X girl. Yeah, that one's PC. Let's put that under. Okay, for your picture for the podcast. Don't, well, let's not discuss that. <laughs> let's move on. All right, never mind. All right. Well, Ali, let's go to you. I've got another question. So Perfect. how many times has Rob appeared on screen playing someone other than himself? So acting in some zero. capacity. <laughs> is, is zero Would an option? You like to know the answers? You want to just guess? Well, let's hear the multiple Okay. Choice. A, five, B, two, C, zero, and D, 69. I'm going zero. That is correct. Yes. Oh, I should have gone with the blind, the blind guess. That's okay, Allie. I mean, why would he be on screen if not to be <laughs> so? He's an aspiring I, actor. Well, I, 
Honestly, what I think would happen is like Boston Rob would get like brought on to be an extra and be like, can I wear this Red Sox hat in the show? And they're like, no, you can't do that. Well, I'm walking. <laughs> it's me in the hat or nobody. That's his demand. Everybody sit here. No one talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm doing a scene where everyone's going to sit here and uh, when you go to the bathroom, you can only go two at a time. <laughs> Sir, you're you're a walk on in this restaurant scene. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, that'd be so good. I can imagine him making demands. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Boston, Rob, let's talk about his IMDb trivia page. So, Mike. Oh, or, oh, this is good. Mike, this question is for you. Which one of these facts was not listed under boston rob's imdb trivia page all right a and this i am quoting verbatim from the trivia page a after three previously failed attempts he finally won survivor redemption island shade i know right b after his appearances on survivor marquesas his appearance on survivor marquesas he turned down a sixty thousand dollar offer to pose nude for playgirl c is in he would never turn down that. <laughs> C is engaged to fellow Survivor All Star Amber Mariano. Mm. Or D during the filming of Sci Fi Investigator or Investigates, <laughs> which is a show that Boston Rob hosted, by the way. Sci Fi Investigates. Um, Boston Rob and his team attempted to debunk a recent Bigfoot video by recreating the sighting of the creature with Rob wearing a Hollywood movie quality Bigfoot costume. Oh man, I really want D to be true so badly with everything in my heart, but I, I feel like it can't be. I like. I feel like IMDb has been around long enough that yes, they would put in a fact about them being engaged, not updated to say that they've been married and have had many, many children since. I, I'm gonna say that D is just so ridiculous that you have to make it up. Okay, so it is not listed. That is correct. Okay, so it's not on the IMDb DB page. However, it is a true fact. This is actually what? yeah. This is from the Wikipedia page of Sci-Fi Investigates. <laughs> so yeah. I have a new TV show to watch. Is what I'm trying to say. Wait a minute. So like he's he refuses to appear as anyone other than himself in any pieces of pop culture. Yet he's like, yeah, put on the big Sufu costume on me. I'll walk around. I mean, essentially, that's how it was described. But they did a bunch of stuff. So apparently the team traveled to the mountains of West Virginia to investigate sightings of a winged creature known as the Mothman. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. Let me live. OK. <laughs> All right. Well, here, let's 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 get into a little bit more details about sci-fi investigates. Allie, with this next question. Okay. No, 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 I meant I was the Mothman. Oh, you not are the Mothman. Oh, my God. Live. <laughs> Triple X girl was the Mothman. Follow That's your tabloid on. headline. Can I ask a quick question, though? Yeah. Like, so they wrote that he was engaged to Amber Mariano. Right. They Yeah. They wrote her, not her maiden <laughs> okay. name, her married name, but they're engaged. I mean, that's I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, it would be like Boston Rob was once a baby. Like, I guess it may, it's not really a fun fact. It just is a logical thing that happens. So he was once engaged to a woman who now has his last name. I guess that's true. Right. I don't know. They really okay. should just change the tenses. Like, he says it's, he is engaged. I mean, he he was. I guess he he was? I don't know. I wonder if, I mean, when you get married, do you ever, like, stop being engaged? You know, or is it like you are forever engaged? It's just that you have another title onto it. Well, they tell you. No, to, I think. They tell you to never stop dating. Right. So 
Mm. When do you? But if you're engaged to be married, it's like if you're training for a marathon and then you're running the marathon, you're no longer training <laughs> for the mar- you are running the marathon. Like right, exactly. You, you're uh, yeah. But then once you've ran the marathon, are you done running the marathon? Or are you always still running the marathon? Yeah. If you get divorced from the marathon, if you stop running the marathon, you're done. You're out. Right. Not sure how I like comparing a marriage to a race as a married man. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's a marathon and not a sprint. So that's very true. Actually, could, could be like a 10k. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. All right. Well. Well. Let's talk more about sci-fi investigates. So, uh, Ali, this question is for you. According to IMDb, Rob's <laughs> role on sci-fi investigates was described as a a crime scene investigator, b a paranormal investigator, c a forensic specialist or D, a skeptic? Okay, I'm between B and D. What is B again? B was a paranormal investigator. I wonder if he could be a forensic specialist because he happened to be on the same network as CSI. Like, he's so CSI adjacent that that makes him a forensic specialist. Right. Like My issue with the term specialist is that I think that has a higher probability of being made up because of the specialist, but maybe I'm overthinking mm. it. So wait, say them all one more time and then I'll stop being annoying. Crime scene investigator, paranormal investigator, forensic specialist, or skeptic? I mean, like, can they legally say he's things that he's not? I guess if he is investigating, those aren't like titles. If he is investigating the paranormal or a crime scene, then he would be a paranormal investigator. I'm going to say he was billed as a skeptic. That's correct. Yes. There we go. Yeah. It like wow. literally describes him as a skeptic on the IMDb and on the Wikipedia page. It says, uh, Okay, Sci-Fi Investigates is a six-episode reality television series featuring skeptic Rob Mariano. Like, <laughs> what? Wait, so was his job like, they say, okay, this is the Mothman. He goes, I don't know. Sounds pretty fishy. I mean, they also put a Bigfoot <laughs> mask on him and like threw him out in the, you know, in the forest. Like, yeah. I don't well, know. Well, Rob, if you're such a skeptic, why don't you try being Bigfoot and see how likely it is? Oh, man. Yeah, he is the skeptic of the investigative team, which I didn't realize is a role that you needed to hire for. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to have that person to bring you back down to reality, right? Yeah, right. And he is. You always need the naysayer. Right, in the group. And he's a reality star. So I guess it makes sense, right? Um, but yes, I mean, I'm pretty skeptical right now of this show, so I guess it adds up. I mean, that's crazy. Um, all right. Well, congratulations, Ali. You are our winner here. Uh, did Mike get any wrong? Uh, Mike, Mike got one wrong. No, I believe I got yes. Amber's uh, lose oh, Amber's yeah, winners in the Teen Choice Awards. Jessica Simpson, you never go against Jessica Simpson. Well, I don't know if Hillary Duff was tipping the scales in her friend's favor, then maybe we should all win here. Hillary in. Duff rightfully owned the early 2000s. OK, Mike, that's true. I, I will say that the majority of my fashion choices were inspired by Hillary Duff from that era. So, you know. And I'm Boom. the vest over the tank top. I feel like that was like a huge like Hillary Duff jeans moment. under a dress, you know, like <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. It's embarrassing, Mike. Well, I want to talk some more about Boston Rob, but more so about the stuff he's done on screen, because I want us to be skeptics here, much like Boston Rob was once upon a time. And this was pointed out by the great Brian Scally on Twitter. I want to talk a bit about the uh, the shelters that Rob has worked on this season. So I'm going to pop a picture oh in the chat for you both. 
This was the funniest thing I saw on Twitter this whole season. <laughs> so this is something that Brian Scally knows. We're going to take a look at both the Sele tribe shelter and the Yara tribe shelter that Rob has worked on. Yeah, let's start with the Sele tribe shelter, because obviously, look, there was a lot of scrutiny. Everyone was their own skeptic here on CBS Presents Island of the Idols when Boston Rob built this megalith three-story shelter when he had the time. So they said, great, let's see what he does now in season 40. And what results can only be described as like a live-in limbo, where it seems like the shelter is what? Three feet off the ground max? Is that the only way you can describe this? (laughs) (laughs) It's the one I'm choosing to. And this is one of the most confusing shelter choices I can think of. Are you supposed to sleep on top of it? I think you're supposed to sleep underneath it. Well, I guess, you know, Denise said, like, we don't have a roof. So maybe you're right. Maybe they did sleep above it. But that seems strange to me. I guess I guess maybe you have the option of maybe it's like bunk beds. I think that is what people say who have been like the the key is to be elevated so that the rats don't like get on you. Right. OK, so there's like a platform and then like two feet above that, there's another platform that just seems to be haphazardly covered with palm fronds. In- no, Liana, it can only be described as a live-in limbo. <laughs> right, no, of course. Yes, it's so We're, we've named it that. Yes. That's its name now. That we had the snug, and now we have the L I L, the live-in limbo. <laughs> lil, yeah, the lil. The lil. <laughs> hey guys, why can't I stay in the shelter? <laughs> no, Lil, you have to be underneath. You have to be on the bottom <laughs> section, Lil. Yeah, this is pretty bad. Yeah, this seems like a place. This seems like if the Dursleys built a shelter and had Harry Potter live in the lower <laughs> level. But even that's, I mean, yeah, yikes. I don't know where he got those random planks underneath it, too. Like, that's not just the bamboo, but there's, like, bamboo on the side that's, like, fracturing off. This is a disaster. Can I take Why an unlikely it? position? Yes. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what a good survivor shelter is, but I, like... I'm surprised that this this supports weight that this bears mm, that they yeah. built like a three foot above the ground platform that that bears weight. But I guess the issue is there's no roof like or is it uncomfortable? Like, what's the I mean, it looks like there's no roof, which I guess, you know, they are shaded by trees. They're under the canopy. So it's not like they're completely out in the open. But I feel like a, all at least adequate shelters have a roof, <laughs> right? Something over your head. Why would you build a roof when you have nature's roof? The meme of the guy tapping his forehead. Uh, I did enjoy the like, the like little, I don't even know what to call it. Like the hug from the branches they had on this one where it like their little like fort of palm fronds. That's not oh, in yeah, this well, photo. Well, let's, let's, let's talk a bit about Yara and maybe we can do some comparison here. Not to be confused with Yara Sophia. So this was a, a secret scene in which we saw that, you know, their tribe got to work. They experienced some, like, really crappy gale force winds. And we saw a bit of this during the aforementioned buddy system where they just spent an afternoon talking about Oreos and deep-fried Twinkies. But yeah, it looks like they built essentially, like, a a wind blocker out of palm front. They made a cubicle of three walls of palm. And then it seems like they just put a bunch of bamboo on top of it as... A, a semblance of a roof again they're not completely there with the roof but at least they have something above them even if it is like a few slats of bamboo i mean i think the lean to is the way to go which is what i think that this is supposed to be right because then you don't have to um like you think about what you know you're talking about supporting weight like the tree just supports the roof but there's also then no roof 
over it. So yeah, I don't, I don't quite know. Yeah, I, I don't know, Ali. What were your thoughts about the uh, like you called it the hug of the palm leaves? Uh, do you, you think that's the way to go, like surrounding yourself with walls of things? No, that made no sense uh, to me. Like, what purpose was that serving? Just that they were literally in a cage. It was like a little. Uh, kids playpen i did not understand yes. the benefits of that's that. what it was like it was like a kid's playpen and you just like all right well we're gonna like corral all the kids in our like little bamboo and palm frond you know fort like everybody let's hang out here and have a sleepover that was definitely the feeling that i got do you think rob purposely did that to inspire that feeling like do you think he was trying to create a stanford prison experiment where he was the warden well he had the machete so you know makes sense yeah and he had that moment with adam where he's like feel how sharp this is <laughs> that was so menacing the other really funny meme that i saw on the internet this week was like you know boston rob with his daughters for prom or something like that you know uh it was funny he's intimidating wait Wait, saying feel how sharp yeah, this is? Yeah, like when the, you know, like when the, whomever is taking the daughters to prom comes over and it's like, hey, <laughs> I don't know. Look, I don't know. <laughs> I'm tired. Okay. And there was a funny meme on the wow. internet and I'm trying to say it on a podcast, which is stupid because it's a meme. So there's clearly a picture involved and I'm trying to describe it, which I'm clearly not doing a very good job of. So you're, you're, no, you're doing <laughs> awesome. I like it. I like this idea of like being like, wow, Marissa, like, your dad's really interesting. Also, your house is a bunch of palm fronds <laughs> with three walls and some bamboo above you. Like, no offense, but you should invest in some better interior design. It's a snug. <laughs> it just seems like Wendell has outshone Rob in one season after he built, like, apparently the best shelter in Survivor history. Um, yes. Yes. Which is interesting, that, like, comparison between the two. Um, where it was like, oh, you know, Wendell comes in, it's like, oh, it's a fixer upper or whatever, I think is what they were talking about. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do feel I'm Wendell in the first episode was like, I don't want to build. Like when you're stuck building the shelter, it's like being cornered at a party. Here, when he swaps over, he's like, great, let's get to work. So maybe he's changed his tune. Maybe he wanted to get away from Michelle. I'm not entirely sure, but I guess Wendell sees his purpose here he really wants to make those two fire pits happen over on <laughs> oh my gosh that goes back to like can you truly change as a person like if you're a builder you're gonna build you know you can't you can't really change that much how you play the game of survivor right so wendell it just damned to build uh amazing shelters exactly. i guess yeah wendell, wendell can only be a builder on his imdb profile he doesn't want to go for any uncredited roles in other movies <laughs> that's right oh man he's only himself can we talk about Wendell and Michelle for a second. Yes, I know this yeah, is like a hard left turn. To me, and I know a lot of people have said a lot of things about this this week, but to me, the story, the couple to watch is not Michelle and Wendell. It's Parvati and Michelle. Mm. Because Absolutely. nothing unites two women like a good common enemy, and especially if that common enemy is a bad ex. Mm -hmm. Like, that is... A blood bond. Now, I'm still not totally convinced that they're not gonna like try to be the woman who's not voted out because it's tough with those three guys together, but I live for the poverty and Michelle working together moment. I no, I loved it. And there's there's a secret scene where like they bond even more and like it's the most unlikely partnership, but I love it. Ali, I wanna ask you as somebody who watched a lot of X on the Beach. I, I feel like we get the situation sometimes, right? Where like an ex gets brought in, but it wasn't like they were in a relationship. It's more so that like one person regarded the relationship and one person felt they were just, quote, kicking it. Oh, oh, so you're saying that sometimes P 
people suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. I mean, I'm still not totally convinced. Like, Wendell is sort of an awkward dude on the show. Like, I don't know that Wendell, like, I don't know. Wendell, like, was not good at expressing himself. And I'm not shocked to hear that that's mm. how their relationship was. And I, yes, like, Wendell's like, oh, like, we kicked it. I could also see Wendell not wanting to be like, oh, we were dating, and then he watches, you know, Michelle's the one who's like, we hung mm-hmm. out a few times. Like, it seems like neither of them were on the same page about their relationship. I'm not, like, trying to come for Wendell for not being like, she was my girlfriend. But, uh, yeah, it's a bad look. But, like, just like X on the Beach, to me, the best relationships to watch in X on the Beach are actually, like, Adore and Lademi this season, who are just, like, sister friends who love each other and are like navigating the relationships together. Like that's where the excitement Mm. is. The Wendell and Michelle thing was fun. And like, listen, I'd be here for them to get back together. That'd be like the hottest survivor couple in history. No offense to the Marianos, but, uh, but, but like to me, it was like, not that big. Like, okay. Like Wendell, like looks bad. He looks like a, you know, a little bit of an F boy. Okay. To me, the excitement was between Michelle and Parvati. Mm. I think the scene for me, it wasn't necessarily the fact, like, obviously, I agree with you. I think that there was definitely a miscommunication in either the relationship or the way that it ended. But when Michelle was talking about how Wendell scolded her, (laughs) like, that was a really weird interaction that we got to watch. But then her bonding with Parv over it was really just the thing that made me super happy. It's so awesome to see these two women play together. Um, I'm nervous that it's not going to last very long because I would like to see this for at least a couple more episodes. But with the fact that two tribes are going to tribal council, I really don't think that Parv is long for uh, for this survivor. This the mm. the actual survivor season where Allie would consider her winner chances not the edge of extinction where she will rule her out for the time being until she comes back and then she will reevaluate. I, I think Poverty was such a fun narrator in this too. Like, because she, she was not only reacting to this, but she was reacting to Nick awkwardly approaching her and deciding to bring up the fact. I guess he tried to get out in front of it of like, hey, just so you know, at the last tribal council, I said I, I basically had a poster of you on my wall in high school, and so like, I'm I just liked her reacting to just the the all the comedy that was going on at Celle, and I'm glad that she was able to find like a confidant in Michelle. Where yes, there are the two Celle. They both are sort of in these very weird situations, but they're also sort of both being the straight man to all the craziness that's going on around them. Again, it's a partnership I would not have expected, considering how much Michelle and her alliance seem to be gunning for the old schoolers before the swap. But, you know, uh, situations make strange bedfellows. I think they have good odds, though, to be the one winning. Have we gotten clarity of this? I know Rob was like suggesting that maybe it was going to be two tribes at once together but i think so, it's gonna uh, just be two tribes go yeah we have clarification via uh the press release and also i think via sneak peek that for the first time in i believe 19 seasons on the american version, we are we are getting like a tried and true double tribal council where one tribe's gonna win immunity one tribe will go to tribal council and vote somebody out the other tribe will go to tribal council and vote somebody out i think this is because they want to do the merge in episode seven and if they want to merge with 13 people this would have eight people on the edge and then one person will come back to make it 13 for the merge in episode seven. Oh, yeah, so I, looking at the tribes, I do think they have a good chance of, of winning over the other two, right? Like I think Adam, Sophie, Ben and Sarah like need a miracle to not be going to tribal and maybe they, maybe they'll get that miracle. But uh, 
Tony, Tony's team will be able to sit someone out so Sandra will join her <laughs> self on the bench and then Michelle Parv, Nick Yule I just think it's always the reason I don't mean to be low on like Sophie and Adam's tribe but I do think it's a huge advantage to see the tri- to see the challenge and then decide to sit one person mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. I think that Michelle Parv, Nick Yule and Wendell are like pretty strong in the challenges yeah I think it's for me it's between the red and blue tribes uh, in terms of which one will not have to go to tribal council I agree with you right. I think that green is definitely going the Adam Ben group um, I think that the fact that they can sit Sandra out for red is a benefit I mean it depends on whether or not the if it's on land versus in water you know each of these tribes have people with their various strengths and weaknesses but um, but I think we're definitely going to see Adam Ben Sarah and Sophie again which makes me really happy because I'm so excited to figure out who made who made the mistake was it ben or was it adam <laughs> all right the consequences will be Yay. immediate so yeah so so we shall see and that means also that luckily uh i will not be memed this week when it comes to two tribes voting out one person in honor of malcolm's mm. boot luckily that twist is not occurring here so <laughs> i'm excited for the for the double tribal council to take place speaking of michelle and wendell so i, I we came up with this idea and tricky rice sent in a bit of this idea as well but we figured you know what? Let, let's talk about relationships here. It's a, it's, we're talking about histories. We're talking about previous relationships. Maybe someone you get on the mic with every week. And so we have brought the newly host game to the B&B. Here's how this is going to work. Ali, Liana, prior to our conversation today, I asked a series of questions to your respective co-hosts. Liana, I asked your mass Singer <laughs> co-host, Puya Zambakili. And of course, Allie, well, I that's asked not one fair. and only that's Ryan bullshit. Cohen. You've been podcasting for for with him longer than Liana has. That's not why I'm saying it's bullshit. <laughs> I don't make the rules, Allie. Uh, but I've I seen Brian a- in person less than five times, and one of those times was his wedding. <laughs> and I'm supposed to get these questions right against Liana and her partner. <laughs> um, I've never been to Puya's wedding. Okay, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but when you are, it will likely be in a different role than I was at Brian's wedding. Allie, you were witness to Brian and his wife going from engaged Jesus. to married, but still possibly being engaged. <laughs> Oh Lord! When I lose, then it's so much worse, Allie. It's so much worse. This is a real Hillary Duff rigging thing going on. (laughs) And if it if it helps at all, I have also submitted myself. I asked my lovely wife Angela Blue. Yeah, I was going to say, let's get Angela's answers in here. Perfect. Oh, good. So we're all in the same boat. You could have asked Brent. You had to ask (laughs) Blue. So basically, how this is going to work is I ask them a series of questions. They're they're mostly multiple, and I will be questions. answering Puya's questions, and Liana will be answering. Brian's <laughs> oh, that'd questions. be the ultimate twist. Do you, that's like the 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 forty chess. Do you know what this person thought of the other person? Ooh, look at that. So you're you're yeah. So I I made sure the subjects were clear so that you're you're make sure you're answering on behalf of yourself or your partner. Oh, I so. would be shocked if. I I would normally be shocked that Brian didn't tell me you contacted him for this, but Brian and I don't talk if not on the podcast. So of course I didn't hear about this. Uh, Puy actually came up with the idea <laughs> for this game, which then we gave yeah, to yeah, Mike. Yeah. So it's like a very complicated situation. Okay, talk exactly talk about exactly. previous relationships. All right, so we'll see how much the thumb is on the scale in Liana's oh, favor Lord. here. Here's our first question. 
of the four groups in this episode, so the three tribes of five, and then the five people on Edge of Extinction, which one would Allie slash Liana slash Mike want to be a part of? Is it A, Decal, which as a reminder is Denise, Jeremy, Kim, Sandra, and Tony, the Red Tribe? Is it B, Sele, which is the blue group of Michelle, Nick, Parvati, Wendell, and Yule? Is it C, Yara, the Green Tribe, Adam, Ben, Boston, Rob, Sarah, and Sophie? Or is it D, the Edge of Extinction people, Adam, Ben, Boston, Rob, oh, sorry, Amber, <laughs> Danny, Ethan, Natalie, and Tyson had a deja vu going on there. So, Allie, what do you think? What, what, personally, I guess, either what would you say or what do you think Brian thought you would say? This is tough. <laughs> I think I'm between two. But I could see I could see Brian being like, but you like Adam, so you said you like Adam. You know, like I could see Brian go not considering Brian talking like a prospector. <laughs> <laughs> That's my impression of everyone. Like everyone who's heard me do an impression of real life and my mom, like of my mom thinks my mom like sounds like I you didn't call me. But like that's not at all what she sounds. I have one impression and that's it. Yeah, Allie, how many witches are you involved with in real life? How many witches? You're like old crones. Like, oh Allie. <laughs> You pick up your potion, Derry. Can you go to to Liana first so I can think about this? Yeah. We we can probably watch Survivor together. Like, this is such bullshit. (laughs) Unfortunately, we cannot um, watch together as we are in separate countries. Um, However, okay. That's none of my business. (laughs) Like, I didn't put the travel ban in place. Like, don't talk to me about that. I certainly um, did not. Okay, I I love Kim so much, and so he would think that I would want to be on the Red Tribe with Kim. Puya said exactly. Liana loved her some Kim Spradlin and would chomp at the bit to be part of a pair yes. with Kim. So yes, A, you matched up with yes. A. I would rather be on the Green Tribe. <laughs> I want to play... But you would answer it, but you knew that Puya yes, would say I that. I want to play with, with Sarah and Sophie versus Ben and Adam would be so fun to watch and just to like be a part of. So that's where I would want to be, I think. I think, but I get it. I get the logic. My gut, my gut would say, yeah, Kim, you love Kim and Denise and Jeremy. So speaking right. of the travel ban, I don't think uh, uh, Brian would say I would want to be on Nick's tribe. <laughs> I would probably say I think Brian thinks I'm like a huge nerd slash loser. So I think <laughs> He would say, I'm between saying that he either would be like, oh, well, like Natalie was her winner pick. So maybe Edge of Extinction. But I'm going to say he's going to put me with the nerds of Adam and Sophie, etc. Brian said, D, the Edge of Extinction, quote, because everyone loves Ethan. (laughs) Such an (laughs) asshole. See, this is what I'm saying. He knows nothing about me. Oh, no. All right. So wait. So, Mike, so what would you say? So I personally would say B, uh, the blue group, because I if I would want a tribe that A, has the highest chance to kick ass, but B seems to be like the most chummy group. And it really does seem like as much as as awkward as Sele may be, it seems like a generally fun group of people. So I would say Sele. Uh, Angela said C. I feel like he would like the variety of this tribe and he's not in love with Ethan like his wife enough to go to the edge, which is correct. It seems like Angela and Brian really are on the same page. <laughs> It's nice having Angela as like a control group, I feel like. 
for this situation. This is really- oh yeah, Angela, Mike's wife, is the control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. Look, I don't know that because we're, we're married. Marriage. A- Angela could have done a better job answering these questions about me. I think than Brian. <laughs> next <laughs> time, next time, Allie. All right, question number two. Liana slash Allie slash Mike receives an idol, but half of it has to be given away by sundown. Do they give the half to you? And the you is in Puya, Brian, or Angela. A, yes, but they ask me to return it ASAP. B, yes, and they allow me to hang on to it. C, no. Well, this was oh, this easy. Is terrifying. All right, Allie, what'd you say? Absolutely not. <laughs> Brian might say yes because he's wrong, but absolutely not. Brian said B, quote, who wouldn't trust me? <laughs> I knew he wait. I was gonna. I knew he was gonna say some shit like that. Honestly, oh but God. no. The answer is absolutely. I not. love it because he made it about himself too. He's like, because I'm the most trustworthy. <laughs> um. Okay. I'm gonna say. Uh. What was it? Was a yes, but I will. I will want it back. But you yes, give it back. Yeah. ASAP. That one. That is correct. Puya <laughs> says a, and yes, she would only give it to me if I guarantee to hand it back over. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Uh, so I said A as well. I said A because I feel like I would forget about it, quite honestly, if I gave it away. Like, my relationship with Angela is like, I'll give something to her, and then two days later, I'll be like, where's that thing? <laughs> I can't find it. And she's like, you gave it to me two days ago. It's right here. Uh, so, but I, Angela also said A, like, he loves me, but he ain't stupid. Aww. So, very con- comforting words for my, my this is a real- one and only throwback but i texted brian haven't you learned not to participate in surprise podcast things for me no No eric stein questions here luckily (laughs) all right question three you're on so this is a you al uh brian slash puya slash angela are on the edge of extinction and get the opportunity to choose an advantage to sell to liana slash ali slash mike what do you pick to give to them a an idol good for three tribal councils, Alessandra. B, the vote steal. C, safety without power. D, nothing. Um, first of all, if it's D, rude. Okay. Like, please. See also Brian's answer, I'm sure. <laughs> he give you the safety <laughs> without power. Um, is that what you're going with, Allie? No, no, I'm saying, like, see also what Brian would oh, say. Oh, yeah, nothing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um... Ooh, I don't know about this one. Allie, what are you thinking? What's the second option? It's the idol for three tribals. So the idol for three tribals, the vote steal, or the safety without power, or nothing. Um, I'll, I'll give mine while you two formulate one, because I agree this is a tough one. Uh, I'd personally say A, because I feel like there's much more leverage. I talked about this last season, about how you can use... You know, if it's out of play, you can use it as a fake idol. You can use it to drum up a bunch of drama. Angela also said, A, give him as much advantage as possible. What do I have to lose? Okay, I'm going to. Okay, so I'm between two. I'm going to go with I would hope that he would give me a. So I'm going to go with a. But I can very much see him giving me the safety without power advantage because Jeremy had it. Puya said, see, the safety without power. (laughs) This is an advantage she would more likely turn down, and I don't want to spoil her game by adding an added layer of paranoia in the form of an advantage to it. Also, I don't want her to spend her fire token on me and then blame me if she needed one down the line. (laughs) So he was essentially trying to nullify it. Well, then why not just give me nothing? 
I guess he still wanted to offer you something and be oh, nice. Empty gestures. Got it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He could just say nothing because I don't want to spoil her game. Right. Whatever, whatever. And it was like, no, because this thing that she'll definitely turn down. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's my thought process. If I'm overthinking it, which I have been every other answer, it would be like safety without power because he wants me to leave or something like that. I'm not going to say that. I, I, I He could say nothing because he's like trying to be funny, but I'm going to say the idol because I'm trying to pick the most basic answer like the other answers have been. That is so, correct. Ah! <laughs> Thank you. He says, far and away the most powerful and I'd help Allie. Man, <laughs> you're basic, Brian. You're basic, but thank you, but thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just getting, I'm just getting angry because I don't like Hillary Duff fixed games. <laughs> what a quote! I don't like Hillary Duff fixed games. Essentially the same thing from from, from the Triple X yes. girl. You could, Mothman. if you wanted to edit me and make another enemy from after me appearing on this podcast, you could just edit that to be I don't like Hillary Duff. <laughs> oh man yeah or mothman like very strong words <laughs> yeah real skeptic on uh -huh. ali lasher's part <laughs> all right next question what is the closest comparison to how you two podcast together <laughs> a boston rob and parvati b michelle and wendell c sarah and tyson d natalie and fire tokens <laughs> oh my god and you didn't offer any X. I know the answer to this one. Okay, go for it. Okay. Well, it's definitely not Wendell and Michelle. I don't think it's Natalie and Fire Tokens because what does that what does that mean? Unless he just picked that. I don't know. Like I don't know, <laughs> but like I don't even know what that means. The first one is Boston Robin Poverty. I think Brian would think of himself as that. the The correct answer is the insanity that is Sarah and Tyson. So I'm going to say Sarah and Tyson, but I think Brian said Boston Robin Parvati. He said Natalie and Fire Tokens. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? He said Allie dominates. That's all he wrote. So he's the Fire Tokens? That's so annoying. And you're Natalie. He's so annoying. Says so the season is canceled. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So wait. So let me run through the choice. So it's Boston Rob and Parv. Parvati. Michelle and Wendell. Sarah and mm -hmm. Tyson, and then I, I swear to God, if he says the fire tokens and Natalie Anderson. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. I've texted Brian more during this game than I have ever <laughs> in my life. Well, I'm so happy to bring you two back together. The <laughs> it's definitely not bringing us together. Um, I, I'll, I, so I said C, personally, for Angela and I, and she said A, I suppose, good banter and equal power. So we got that one wrong, unfortunately. Uh, okay. All right. I'm just trying to think of also who would be who, because I think we like Puya and I also don't follow typical gender norms. So like, am I Boston Rob? <laughs> would he be Parvati? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Allie, I mean, Brian is a fire right, token. Exactly. So like we even defy humanistic what about bodies. That? I have a response for Brian, but I'll wait okay. until we okay, all right, let me give me an answer. So I think I think we would I think he maybe I think he kind of associates himself with Wendell, so I think we would be Wendell and Michelle. That is correct. Uh Puya says, I'll be out here trying to get the work done, and Liana is quote kicking it. So actually oh, you're I'm the Wendell. Wendell in this situation. <laughs> okay, actually, no, that does make more sense. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Wait, wait, Allie, what did Brian say? I said Natalie and fire tokens. He said, lol, I had no idea for that one. I would have voted none of the above, which also is wrong. Tyson and Sarah, the, the idea, the flaw was not with the question, Mike. It was a good question. But I said I got one right because I said, quote, I'm picking the most basic answer. <laughs> See what he says to that. All right. Next question. Liana spends a day, Liana slash Ali slash Mike spends a day at the camp of Old Decal, which was the old Red Tribe. What activity are they doing the most or most likely doing? A, ladder building with Tony. B, shark hunting with Sandra. C, keeping morale up with Yule. D, building bar games with Wendell. Oh my gosh. Okay, what what do I think he thinks that I would be doing? This is so complicated. Um, I'm going to go with keeping morale up with Yule. I'm sorry. The answer uh, Puya said D, building bar games with Wendell. Liana Boris is all about the fun and games. And uh, to bring fun and games to fellow castaways would be a great help to okay, her. Okay, well, that. Okay. What is Yule doing to keep morale? Hugging people. Do you remember when he was hugging everybody last episode? Like, day 10, woo! You know. All right. <laughs> Fine. All right, Allie, what's it going to be? Okay, Brian has to say the bar games because of our drinking game on the challenge, right? Or. I don't, I, that's it. Like, I don't know what else he would say. That is correct. He hey. said, she's not building them, but saying what games to build. Oh, what is this? Okay. <laughs> um, I, so I personally said C, because I would want to, uh, you know, I, I, I want to keep hopes lifted. Angela also said C, he's always the entertainer, oh. and no way is he going into the ocean with yes. Sandra, which is <laughs> very true. I am not getting near that water. <laughs> All right. Final question. Which remaining Winners at War contestant would Liana slash Ali slash Mike give bequeath their fire token to if they got voted out? So of the people left in the game, who would we bequeath our fire token to? Oh, I, 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 I'm going to go to Liana first because I know this is yeah. pretty, I, I feel like it's I, pretty I love Kim. I would, give my, I would give my token to Kim. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty slam dunk question. Liana's the number one Kim Spradlin fan I know, said mm-hmm. Puya. That makes sense. Uh, I I personally said Yule. Uh, unfortunately, Angela and I did not see eye to eye. She said I would pick Sophie because he knows I would want him to do that. Lol. <laughs> so I am in the doghouse now. I was closest though, because like Yule and Sophie were working together pretty closely, so you right, could the see nerd it. Alliance. Yeah. She's well, texting Brian. Brian doesn't know anything about me, <laughs> so I'm not going to say my actual answer. But I think he maybe would say Adam. I'm sorry, he said, Nick, obviously, JK, Jeremy. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Would you? That's fine. That's the first demonstration that he's like, at least follows me on Twitter. Wait, who would you give it to? <laughs> would you give it to Jeremy? I don't really know, but at least that's like a good get. I like, I do like Jeremy, okay. so that's fine. Okay. <laughs> that was like a solid potential guess. <laughs> that was the one he took, the one he actually answered. Fine. <laughs> Well, by a score of two to three to four, congratulations, Liana. You are the winner of the newly host game. But I think we're all the winners in finding out that Brian Cohen considers himself the fire tokens in your relationship, Allie. <laughs> I just, the podcast is canceled. Enjoy the challenge coverage on the Dom and Colin Network. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You guys are coming back in what, like two weeks, right? So We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends. Can you guys be ops with one another? Is that how that works? Or oh, we've been ops all five or six years of us doing this, so that's not news. But just maybe it's over in this season. Of course. 
Um, okay. I, uh, most of my discussion questions, to be honest, we've already talked about. So let's get down to a really important question that I think we need to address. How do you eat your Oreos? Okay. Do you dunk? Do you break them apart? What types of Oreos do you like to eat? This is something that was discussed in the playpen that was the Green Tribe Shelter. Um, I, I need to know. I need to know, Mike. So, yeah, so, I mean, first off, when it comes to Oreo of choice, I'm I'm a double stuff guy. Uh, I think that the single stuff are like, I'm all about the cream. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think that, yes, well, I'm all about the cream. My, uh, my, my nickname, my parents' nickname in, as a child was Creamy uh, because I have very pasty skin. <gasps> so just imagine living oh, in that household. I your parents' nickname, like you called them Creamy. No, they called me That's Creamy. That's worse, I think. <laughs> Creamy Bloom. Is that what you were called? No, no. I don't know. Creamy Bloom next to Triple X Girl. I feel like we're getting the wrong impression here. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. Can we we pause for a second? Um, Would they just be like, so creamy, what do you want to eat for dinner? Creamy, go play outside. Yeah, Yeah, it was either creamy or pickles. So really pick your poison there. I'm glad we worked that out. Just a a glimpse into the Bloom household and the childhood I had. More on that at 11. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm not a huge fan of like the single stuff. I feel like there's not enough cream there. I have become a fan of the dunking, but I did not grow up with the dunking because I was one of those kids that promptly had to keep everything separated, and that included the Oreos and the milk. Uh, so I'd say like nowadays, now that I'm no longer creamy, now that I'm curdled, uh, I am more so about deeping the Oreos into the milk and then just chomping into it. Mm, what about you? And as that's for Oreo flavor, I'm not I'm not being adventurous. I'm I'm going with basic here. Standard. Um, I discovered Oreo Thins probably seven, eight years ago, and that was like a game changer. I really like Oreo Thins. I like regular Oreos too, but the Oreo Thins you can't really dunk though. So the Oreo Thins you kind of have to eat separately, but then like for regular Oreos, I'm definitely a dunker for sure. Allie, do you have any strong feelings? Do you eat Oreos? I was going to put in a plug for the Thins. The Thins are very good, but now I won't. Uh, Okay, so I feel like as a kid, I almost never had Oreos. My mom was a big, like, when they had the orange Oreos come out, then she would buy them. Like, she Mm -hmm. was a big, like, junk food when it's, like, seasonal or themed, but not, like, every day. But when I did eat them as a kid, I would dunk them in milk. Because I feel like as an adult, if I'm eating Oreos, it's never in like a sit down with milk situation. It's like someone has it at a party and you like rip open the top. It's not like I'm sitting down for cookies and milk. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I will say when I did, I used to drop one into the cup for the full time (sighs) that I would be eating. And then after you drink the milk, you have like with a spoon, you like fish out the like fully saturated Oreo. I haven't done that in probably 15 years, but it. It still sounds good to me. Wow. That's uh, interesting. I've never heard that strategy of drowning an Oreo while you like oh, yeah. take care of your meal. <laughs> and then and then now, even I would probably do the same. I feel like I most likely had Oreos in the like snack bag with the minis. Mm. And then like Mike, well, of course everyone would prefer double stuff. That was not readily available to me as a child, but I would like isolate the cream disc. And stack them in between two and then wait and eat all the cookies and then wait to the end and have like the monstrous Mm. one that might be investigated by Boston Rob. He might be skeptical, (laughs) but it would be one giant one that I would just pop in. I don't think that's a real Oreo. (laughs) He dresses up as an Oreo. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as he walks through the forest. Yeah, that's good. I I was never coordinated enough to get the disc of the stuffing to like stay intact. Um so that's I'm actually very it's, impressed it's, by that. I mean it, it's that's basic hand eye coordination. Not okay. to throw too much shade onto you, but <laughs> you know what? But it doesn't like, always work. Are you like Hulk smashing them with your hands just by purely touching yes. them? Well, sometimes you get the cookie that's flipped the wrong way and then it's like more in the indentations and you just eat that one, you know? It's like, it's yeah, fine. You just like give up. But I think it was really just I didn't have the patience. It was like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just want to eat Oreos. <laughs> what is this waiting? This patience nonsense. I- have you guys had some of these more like exotic Oreos? Like, I don't know, the peep Oreo or like the the big red Oreo? I wanted to try the Swedish fish one out of just pure curiosity, but I could never find it anywhere. I feel like the flavors that are near me are like, yeah, they're the non-standard, but they're not the like crazy ones. Like, what is a big red Oreo? Like, it tastes like big red yeah, does gum. Does it also last like five seconds? I guess, yeah, it's an Oreo. You eat it. Yeah. <laughs> My mom Unless you're Allie and you just put it in a glass of milk for 10 minutes. Not 10 minutes. Relax, bro. Not 10 minutes. But uh, I, my mom once bought the golden Oreos when I was a kid, which I really did not like the flavor of the cookie of the golden mm. Oreo. But mm. I've always wanted the problem with the flavors of the Oreos to me is like, who's committing to buying a full container of like peanut butter and jelly Oreos? Like I want right. I would definitely buy like a variety yes. pack of the different flavors. That's a great they, would, idea. they should really do that. I totally agree. Like look at what they do with like the big snack bags, right? With like the Lay's and the Fritos. Just put like, I don't know, te- five of every Oreo flavor in one pack. And so you could sample them and then if you want to invest in a full pack, you can do so with the full knowledge that this is what yeah. I want. It's a million dollar that, idea. That is seriously a fantastic idea. I would absolutely buy that. Like, call up Nabisco right now. We have a serious prop- proposal for them. Do they not want people to find out that all of the other flavors yeah, suck? Yeah, probably. They're <laughs> like, oh, but, you know, there's like so many people, they'll like buy one and then they'll be like, oh, this isn't very good. But like, it's okay because they have 25 other terrible flavors that you can try. So I don't know. I'm looking up Oreos now. So there's yeah, me too. Easter- there's an Easter egg Oreo, and I was very confused. It's just shaped like an Easter egg. But for a good five minutes of this conversation, I'm like, how do they make it taste like an Easter egg? What does an Easter an egg. egg taste like? Wait, this is absolutely killing me. Hold on. There's a Reddit thread from 2016. Oreos should come in a variety pack for their different flavors, and they explain the idea. We just discussed it. And someone wrote, I actually wrote them an email about this a few years ago, and the company said they don't take packaging suggestions from customers. Oh, wow. Very wow. rude. We're the people consuming it, oh, Nabisco. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, that kills me. <laughs> these, these new types of Oreos remind me of, like, the new advantages on Survivor. Where, like, we have, like, the Safety Without Power Oreo or the Vote Steal Oreo, where it's like, okay, these are odd flavors that I guess are supposed to like keep things interesting but at the same time they're not as tasty as the original stuff mm-hmm. you know yeah way to bring it back to Survivor Mike good for you I was happy to just wax I'm poetically trying. about red velvet uh, Oreos but that's fine <sighs> well let's finish things off with our question of the week we mentioned the Sandra bench before in honor of the queen what other things would you name after Survivor contestants got a lot to go through here as always thank you all for sending in your submissions uh, first, Kevin Lee made a reference to something that actually occurred a couple of episodes ago that we didn't necessarily reference when it happened. I think we should name this particularly aggressive technique utilized by one Miss Kim Spradlin. I'm going to bequeath this new technique the Kim Slashlin. 
Uh, so I don't know if you guys saw this. I think it was last episode where Kim like cleaves through a coconut in one chop of an axe. So that would be called the Kim Slash. That's better than uh, Kim Sadlin. So if we're gonna give her a nickname, also like I like the Kim Slashin. Sounds Josh- like she's related to me. Mm. Oh, that's actually very true. Uh, so Josh Green has a few uh, JT Thomas's letter, Nick Wilson's slingshot, Tommy Sheehan's colorblind rock. Which sounds like a weird, like, I don't know, direct-to-DVD, like, sing-along rock show for kids. Tommy Sheehan's <laughs> Colorblind Rock. Uh, Krishma Patel's Armpit Idol. Michelle Fitzgerald's Random Bath Towel. And Danny Boatwright's Kansas City Chiefs Towel. I-, I think I know what Josh is talking about, but I noticed this week, we're not doing Buffer Snuff specifically, but Michelle has this, like, mint green sarong that she's wearing in confessionals that I'm obsessed mm, with. I, I'm going to have to look out for that. I don't think I've noticed that. Um, I just you're my favorite, Mike. <laughs> Michelle's this mint green sarong that I'm obsessed with. That's how yeah, you have to describe I mean, it. It's, it's it's perfect for the live in limbo yeah, situation. Exactly. So there's a dress code oh, required. That's so funny though. The Nick Wilson slingshot. So I have a friend who she doesn't really watch Survivor, but she saw the promos for La or for David versus Goliath. The like I gotta get my slingshot. And so whenever she sees that Nick Wilson is on this season, she just repeats back to me that line: "I gotta get my slingshot." She's like, "I wonder if he ever found his slingshot." <laughs> it's so silly. It's so stupid, but I love it. Uh, Logan says the Elaine and Mayor of Slamtown wrestle mm. ring, and also the West Nail Taco Bar. Would you eat at the West Nail Taco Bar? I don't know, given the after effects. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I don't know. It could also be a perfect addition to the B and B. So you never know. Uh, Muhammad has quite a few. I really like this one. If a tribe keeps losing, we can call a tribal council Stapley in honor mm. of Denise. So, well, how would you feel about if Yara was like, we're going back to Stapley? <laughs> it's a Stapley that we're going to go to Stapley. I'd feel fine. I don't think Denise would like it too Poor much. Denise. Yeah. Yeah. What is your connotation there, buddy? <laughs> uh, if someone's having digestive issues, we can say he's having fish backs. Mm. Uh, let's see. Extinction <laughs> Island can be called Ream Island. I like um, Matt Chetty in honor of Mateo from Survivor the Amazon. And finally, the jury bench is the Eliza Orleans bench, which makes sense in a number of ways, given her current job and also her memorable run as a juror on Survivor Micronesia. Oh, yes, that very much fits. I like that. Uh, Logan B. just wrote in all caps, Adam's Torch Hole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It reminds me of, um, and you could have like a neon sign with lights and it's like a big arrow pointing towards it. You could really brand it out. Parker says, we can rename the outhouse from Panama the B&B-B-B&B, the Bruce and Bobby bottle bed and bath. <laughs> so if you remember, uh, Bruce Kennegai and Bob Dog hold themselves up in the Casa de Charmin with all the wine that one night, which, I mean, hashtag relatable mm-hmm. given, you know, where we are right now in, in the state of the world. Uh, and so that is now sort of taking our IP called the B&B-B-B&B. B-B- what is it? B&B-B-B-B-B-B-B? Yes, yeah, so like B and three Bs and Got it. B. I'll remember that later. Yeah, it's a nice mm-hmm. palindrome. Uh, so let's see. John John uh, also said Machete should be named after Mateo. Any swings should be made after Lauren Rimmer. I do not remember her on a swing whatsoever, <laughs> but maybe I'm misremembering season 35. Well, now I've... What, was somebody ever on a swing? Wasn't there someone on a swing recently? 
Yeah, well, there was, was the swing, uh, the swing yes, end on, on, the, on a, yeah, I, yeah, like, when, when, DK, when DK Chillin yes, was the on DK the sling. DK Chillin's on the sling that definitely Boston Rob for sure built by himself, right? Yes. Yeah. I, well, little do you know, he actually added one to the uh, the palm frond cubicle ah. that he built, the playpen, but they're not allowed to go outside yet. It's not it's recess. The theme. <clears throat> uh, Elizabeth says, remember that clue from the merge feast in David versus Goliath? I always thought of the tree as the Gabby's Pescuzzi tree because she figured out the clue even though she didn't get the idol. Oh, she did. Good for her. That's so sad. She gets the name, but not necessarily the credit in that regard. Carter Johnson says, Angelina's tall nine-foot ladder. They put tall in all caps. Or Jatia's burnt rice. I don't think Jatia burnt... Oh, I guess she did burn the rice, technically. I thought more so that she, like, in the pot, not necessarily literally pouring the fire up, the right, rice yeah, on the fire. Like- I don't, literally burnt is not the right word because when you burn it in a pot, it's still burnt. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like immolated. Yeah. Uh, and finally, let's finish off with Kay Breezy. The split idols they have this season that force contestants to decide if they want to give back their half can be named after so- Sophie and be called the <laughs> Sophie's Choice Idol. <laughs> I love there we it. Go. I, I think, should we call every advantage menu like the Sophie's, Sophie's, the Sophie's Choice, choice menu. Advantage menu? Because you have to pick which one, and the other ones, I don't know, die, I suppose. <laughs> die in, in creation. Oh, that's so sad. Definitely similar states. Yes, for essentially sure. the same thing. <laughs> well, next week, uh, we are going to go over the next question of the week. Actually, speaking of Sophie, so it's very clear that Sophie is not a big fan of the word crack. Even though it was said a million times, and Jeff did this really weird miming where he, like, opened up a whole... <laughs> And and mimed himself looking in like uh like he was in The Shining or something. Sophie's not a big fan of crack. Look, we have all been watching Survivor for twenty years. I'm sure we all have a Survivor word or phrase that gets on our nerves every time we hear it. Let's air the grievances out here next week, folks. What is your least Survivor word or phrase that you have heard said on the show? You have a bunch of ways you can reach out to us with this. You can tweet it to us using hashtag RHAP. BNB. Email us rhapbnb at gmail.com. Post it on Facebook, Reddit, what have you. Uh, we are going to talk about it next week. I'm very excited about our guest for next week. So it's going to be a brand new guest to the BNB. Uh, she is a New York City comedian and writer. Uh, you might know her from the Chris Gethard show, Broad City. She played uh, Ilana's nemesis, Nicole. Nicole Dressel is going to join us for the first time next week. She's a big Survivor fan. She's going to be talking with us all about whatever this tribal, their double tribal council is going to provide. A double stuffed tribal council, Liana. And we are going to promptly drop that into the milk and let it soak for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Or so. I'm very excited. I mean, most most importantly for our wonderful guests that we're going to have, I cannot wait, but also to find out the ramifications of the voting out Boston Rob move. Who will go home? Well, with a preview like that, I cannot wait. But first, let's bid a farewell to our absolutely incredible guest this week, Allie. Thank you so, so much. We always have like the most fun mm-hmm. time with you coming on between your hot takes, your million dollar Oreo ideas. You are just a wealth of entertainment and we're so happy you took the time to come join us. Um, it's been great. 
checking in. I hope you guys fully sanitize the place for your next guest. He sounds phenomenal uh, when I check out. Uh, thank you for letting me come on and laugh about Survivor and have some fun in these trying times. You guys are really doing the Lord's work here and I appreciate it. And I will continue. And, and you said after to reevaluate the creative take. I, this was great. This was <laughs> wonderful. I don't know how your brains work to come up with this stuff, but I love that you do it. So thank you. It's been working that way ever since I was called creamy on my father's <laughs> knee. Allie, how can people follow you on social media? And what do you have coming down the line in terms of podcasts that now may or may not be happening based on the results of the game that I did? Yeah, so I was not allowed back on... I was invited, <laughs> but told that I was non-essential to the 32 fans part two of the Seinfeld oh. bracket, despite how hard I worked to be a part of that. So they... uh released it already with someone else and rob did text me during this podcast to say that it's not the same without me so how about that uh-huh. how you like them yeah. apples Ooh. all right so i'm not on that <laughs> i'm gonna do plenty <laughs> of things i'm not a part of you should, yeah why don't you start with everything you're not on and then we'll sort of move this on is to my what you spite. i am not on you know rick devins's nice list i am not on uh okay i i am on uh twitter at lash tweets i well, pro- I guess I, I re- on the cur- oh, I was on the Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast on post show recaps where I did my first and only show and final show with Josh Wiggler because I'll never be allowed to talk to him again. Um, <laughs> and I will be back April 1st, somewhere around then. The challenge comes back. You guys were to- talking about how Total Madness is a name like reminiscent of old school mtv honestly it's a terrible name i would prefer war of the world's three so there's a hot take um so oh and brian will be on to do that show because coronavirus kept his travel plans down so now unfortunately or fortunately or however you feel johnny will not be my guest as i announced on the curb podcast i'm just here uh announcing and then revoking guests so it will be me and brian back to talk about season a million of the challenge and uh i was more thrilled about it before doing this podcast than i am now (laughs) yeah give us your like 30 second take here what do you think jay's chances are on the challenge as our first survivor u.s crossover Huh, it's tough, right? Again, I don't really understand why Morgan is not on. So for anyone who doesn't didn't watch Jay on X on the Beach, Jay had sort of a Wendell Michelle relationship where like they kicked it, but Morgan wasn't that into him. X on the Beach, and then Morgan went on the challenge, was Banana's partner. Spoiler alert, they did not win, but they like travel together. Now they're dating. So Bananas is back and Jay is on, but Morgan's not there, which is such a half measure to me. I don't think he's going to do well because I think he's coming in with a strike against him with Bananas. And, you know, Jay is not the biggest guy. And there are some huge behemoths on, on this season. I didn't love Jay on X on the Beach. I love Jay on Survivor. So I'm, I'm coming in with an open mind. We'll see. I don't know that it's the best spot for him, but we'll see. What do you guys think? Are you? I didn't know Liana watches the yeah, challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I uh, I started watching probably I don't know how many years ago. I mean, it's I'm relatively recent fan, so I would call myself probably a casual. Although I have the tendency to also get very obsessed with the things that I um, watch. So I hadn't yeah, noticed. I don't, 
50 podcasts. I don't, women. I don't know if you know that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the season. I agree. I think it's also a terrible name. I don't know if I would have preferred War of the Worlds 3, though. So uh, maybe that's where we differ. I think I think Jay will struggle because he's like you said, he's not a giant dude. I think also just being a rookie in general, you you know, like uh, the challenge is a saga that occurs over multiple seasons. And so I think it can be it'll be potentially challenging for him to have a successful run his first season. Um, but, and then, I mean, we've got some, the big brother people on there too. Like, I think of all the people, I think like yeah, well, Casey maybe might do the best, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, the thing is, is that the big brother people also have True. each other and Jay's one of the new people coming in with them, but like maybe he's tangentially connected to them. Like I fear for him and for ASAP though. I'm excited because this means more Ally Lasher ASAP impressions, which are <laughs> low key. One of my favorite impressions in the network. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, Liana, what are you up to? As Liana, as uh, Ali said, your 8 million podcasts you have yes. going on. Uh, so you can find me on social media at Liana Boris. Uh, Puya and I talked about the mass Singer with special guest uh, Mike Bloom. Oh, my God. What? what? Um, yeah. So we talked about all the insanity of that. That should be it's edited. So it should be hopefully up soon. Um it's a, it's a big yeah. one. It's I think it's we touched for like, it's two, like and two and a half, and a half hours. hours. Yeah, Mike had a lot of pent up takes too that like I think he needed to really like get out about Mass Singers. So. Yeah, there's also I mean if you want a sense as to what this podcast is, there's an extended three minute sequence where Liana and I just talk at each other in Cockney <laughs> like, accents, really, just unprompted yeah. and just a bit like consecutive consecutively. It's it's insane. So obviously you have to listen to it. That's a podcast that we were on. Ali Lasher was not on, unfortunately. Although I'm sure it would have been much better if she had been there. Uh, and then I'm also doing no one's ever Ru- felt that way trust me <laughs> uh, we're doing RuPaul's Drag Race Brent Amon and I will be back to talk about episode three of RuPaul's Drag Race and I think that's everything that's going on this week you're going to follow me at a Mike Bloom type you can check out all the survivor writing I'm doing at parade.com slash tag slash survivor as I've been doing every week I'm going to be talking with someone who played with Boston Rob during Redemption Island uh, as to what they thought about the reemergence of the buddy system on steroids this time around. I won't spoil who it is because uh, I don't want to pull a Jofo and, you know, improperly uh, uh, have, have that and eventually be revoked. But I'm excited to talk with that person. But I'm very, very lucky that I had the opportunity to talk with Yul Kwan about this beautiful scene he had in the beginning of this episode about his relationship with Jonathan Penner, his wife, Stacey title and her subsequent battle with ALS. It was great to get in his head about, you know, when he decided to play for their cause, uh, you know, his relationship with them, how he's felt about sort of reconnecting with the community around this cause. I mean, Yule's just an awesome guy to talk to and an awesome guy in general. So I highly recommend people check that out. Otherwise going down the hatch with Josh Wiggler every week, talking about lost doing the other 48 days which is a very interesting, maybe the most like survivor lost has ever been. So that's a, it's sort of like a pre-merge and we get a big tribal merge at the end. So that was a lot of fun. Jessica Lee and I are rounding the corner on Star Trek Picard as well, writing down the other three episodes of this excellent first season. Other than that, uh, writing about some Australian survivor as well for true dork time. So it's all sort of coalescing a few weeks from now. We'll sort of uh, be over a bunch of these shows and a bunch of new will start up in its place. So there's a lot happening. And we're very thrilled that you, all of you chose to be with us through all of this nonsense. Uh, we always have so much fun here on the B&B, especially with a spectacular guest like Ali. So that's going to do it for the B&B this week. If you have any recommendations for games like, uh, like Jonathan did this time with the Boston Rob 
I can't even remember the one fish, two fish, Boston Rob fish, Amber fish game uh, that he came up with, but it was very sublime. Be sure to email it to us or tweet it at us. We are more than receptive to play these games, especially as this great season moves on forward. Special thanks to Scott Sampier for editing everything behind the scenes. Paul Lawson, our head writer, and Will from America for our theme song. Stay safe, everybody. Keep your hands washed. We're not on Survivor. We had the luxuries of wanting water, so make sure you guys keep hygienic, clean, and healthy. We'll be back next week talking about with Nicole Dressel about episode six, the double tribal council. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Diana got to play some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Diana got to play some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B.